You can be seated. We're going to take a few moments and baptize a couple of kids. We're going to be baptizing. Yeah, we're going to be baptizing. Yeah, I love it. One of the things that we believe about baptism is that it should be a celebration. We, we cheer at ball games, and if we're going to cheer at a ball game, we should definitely cheer at a baptism, right? And so we're really excited about that. We have this morning, we have Grayson Cole and Brielle Cole that are going to be baptized this morning by their dad. Um, we're just really excited about that. One of the things that you may or may see periodically here is like, does the pastor always have to do the baptism? Absolutely not. Because I believe that it's important for the person who's discipling them to be the one who really should be baptizing them. And so their dad has taken on that role of disciple maker, their mom disciple maker, and they're going, to, you're doing a great job, dad. Don't, don't, don't downplay it, right? Don't downplay it. But I wanted to read you a couple things. This is what Grayson said. We, you know, we always have some questions that we ask, and Grayson, his mom, his mom was writing about how over the last couple of weeks, his prayers have kind of just recently changed, and I love it. He used to like put his face in his pillow and just kind of mumble a prayer, you know, kind of bashfully. But recently he did something bolder. He said this. He said, God, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I hope you have a good day, Jesus. You're my best friend and I love you. I love you really much. How, how much more simple can it get? Right? Out of the mouths of babes. Uh, Grayson goes on to say, he says, I want to do, I want to do the thing that we dunk, that we dunk me in the water and tell my friends I follow Jesus because he's my best friend. I love it. I love it. It's awesome. He said, Jesus died on the cross for our sins and Jesus is my best friend. And that's Grayson. We're excited about being able to baptize him in just a few minutes. And then Brielle. Brielle has kind of some of the same, same thoughts, same feelings. She said, I want to get baptized because I want to make good decisions that make Jesus happy for the rest of my life. I love that. Yep. Yep. She said, because I want everyone to know that I love Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus died for our sins, and he came back to give us a better life, and how incredible that is. So we're going to invite the whole Cole family to come on up here, and we're excited about this opportunity that we have just to baptize this morning. Y'all wonder where I went. I'm human too. I left my Bible in my office. Welcome to church. Hey, it's great to have you guys with us this morning. Uh, excited for what God's doing. If, uh, if this is your first time, uh, we have just started, uh, started last week the study of 1 John. Um, so if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to uh, 1 John chapter 2, that's where we're going to be uh, reading this morning. It was really cool. I had a, uh, a guy that I, I've recently got to know here recently, has just been coming to church recently, and he, he texted me on, um, it was either Sunday evening or Monday night and said, hey, Pastor Chris, uh, what, are, what are we reading next week? I want to go ahead and be reading ahead. I love it. Read ahead, folks. Read ahead. Get your Bible out, dust it off, and read ahead. All right. 
So we're in 1 John chapter 2. There was a couple of verses that came to mind um, just real quick before we jump into that. I was sitting down there and I was just processing everything um, that uh, I believe that God wants me to say this morning. And he, he brought my mind to a couple of scriptures. The first one's found in Matthew chapter 7. So Jesus was um, uh, speaking to his disciples in what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and he said, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Let me me read that one more time. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many, have you ever, I don't know if you ever pay attention to words that actually put in the Bible, it says, and many, uh, many enter through it, when, which says to me, that there is a whole bunch of people that for whatever reason are not going to the place that God intended them to go. And so I think it probably goes to speak about what we're going to talk about this morning. It says, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Now, that also says to me that God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for everyone, but only a few people actually choose him. Okay. Then he goes on to say, um, in also in Matthew chapter 7, the same, the same, the same uh, chapter, it says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So, essentially what Jesus, these are Jesus' words in the Gospel of Matthew, as he's speaking to his disciples, he says, just because you, just because, if I can put it in maybe a little bit modern day, modern day translation, just because you show up to church and you sing really well, or you sing really bad, or whatever, or you claim to love Jesus or serve him doesn't necessarily mean, if your heart's not there, doesn't mean anything. You can say, Lord, Lord, all you want. But it's who does the will. He says, but only, only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, I don't really know, uh, I mean, I feel like the Lord wanted me to say those passages, and so that, I believe that kind of sets the tone. Have you ever made excuses? You ever made, ever, ever made excuses? I, I think I find it interesting that a lot of times, especially in our, in our walk with Christ, we sometimes make excuses. We make excuses as to why we can't do something that the Lord asks us to do. We, we make excuses that we don't have enough money, or we don't, we don't have enough time, or we feel like we can't do that because I'm not smart enough. And, and, and we make excuses about things that we know that we should do. I, we make excuses about coming to church. Oh, it's raining. This is a nice day to sleep in, right? And, 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 and there are people who are make, excuse, make excuses about things that they can't do. Can you imagine if in that moment we're standing in front of God saying, sorry, God, I can't do that, and make excuses. And then there are other times that I think we use God like a vending machine. 
<laughs> when, I was, when I was in school, I was really good at using God as a vending machine. I was not all that smart, and I hated studying. I hated to read, and so every night before a big test on the next day, what did I do? I prayed, <laughs> right? Because that's going to help me. It's going to help me have a really good test the next day, and I, could, I would always be really even more spiritual. And, and right before, I went to a Christian school, so, I, you know, I grew up in the church, went to a Christian school, went to a Christian university, went, you know, now I lead a church. And so, it's always been a part of my life, which I don't regret at all. But I can remember sitting in, sitting in class in, in my high school years and getting that test in front of me and saying, oh, Lord, you got to help me right now. And now you look back on that and think, man, I was just using God as a vending machine. I, I wanted to put my quarter in and I wanted to get my Reese's peanut butter cup out. Because that's, yes, right. <laughs> because that's what I wanted. But I think we still do it as adults. Amen. Sometimes we do that as adults. We're like, we get ourselves in these old crap moments and we want God to pull us out. And I, and I think we have to be careful that we're not making excuses. We're not making God like a vending machine. And I, I find that really interesting because that's kind of where my mind went as I was thinking about this passage in 1 John chapter 2. We, John comes to write to the believers who, who are walking through a difficult time, and he's trying to help them understand, he's trying to help them understand what does it really look like? How can I really know if I have a relationship with Jesus? And I believe he makes it pretty clean, cl pretty clear, pretty simple. I, I, it's simple language this morning. If I, can, if I can be really honest with you, and there's no reason why not one of you here this morning should walk out and not know where you are in standing with Jesus. If, if you've done some some pre-reading of this passage. It's, re it's really interesting because this is, a, this is John's kind of way of talking to the believers and giving them a little bit of a litmus test. Where, where am I? Where, where's, what's my standing? How am I doing? Am I just going through the motions? Am I just going through the motions and do I really have a relationship with Jesus? Is it my desire, my heart to really want what it is, this is a little bit of a litmus test, and it's for all of us. If you serve here, this is for you. If you pastor here, this is for me. If you serve on the worship team, it's for you. If you serve a children's mission, for you. Safety team, welcome team, parking team, it doesn't matter. If you come every single Sunday without missing a beat, this is for every single one of us. I believe that John tried to help us understand this litmus test. I, I really love this too is because uh, scholars believe that John actually wrote this in the latter parts of his life, so it'd be like a grandfather writing this letter to you, right? If, if, you, if you've had grandparents at some point, which most of you probably have, or had any kind of a relationship with your grandparents, you know, you would go over there and they would spur, speak words of wisdom, they, and, and, and it's one of those things where I, I know like, with, like with, my, with my grandparents, you like hang on every word, right? You hang on every word they say. And then sometimes like, I mean, 
for mine, my, my grandparents or my grandparents have passed away, and I can still recall some of those moments that I would go back to, and I can remember sitting in their living room and them saying these words to me, right? And so, I kind of picture that this morning as we begin to walk, walk through the Scripture. 1 John chapter 2, um, starting with verse, uh, verse 3, it says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. Is that clear? Pretty clear, right? It's kind of like as a mom or dad, you say, hey, go clean your room. That's not confusing. <laughs> Sometimes it seems confusing, right? But it's not confusing. And he goes on, he goes on to write, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are what? Okay, here you go. He's making it plain and simple. It's for all of us dummies, right? Bible for dummies. I think that's actually a book. Is it? Bible for dummies? I think it is. I know they have all kinds of things for dummies. That's for all of us. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Is that pretty clear? I think so. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. That's all confusing, but it's all good. <laughs> right? I'm right. It's an old command, but it's a new command. But it's an old command, but it's a new command. <laughs> I, I'll speak to that in just a moment. It's, it's truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light, okay, it's getting simple again. This is the part you're probably not going to like. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Is still in the darkness. Is that unclear? Okay. I didn't think it was. Anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. And so, I mean, I believe John makes it so simple and clear for us to understand this morning these passages that I felt, I felt like a dummy just writing these things down. Like, do, we, do I even really have to explain them other than just reading the passage? That if we would actually take time to sit down and sometimes and read the Bible, it actually speaks to us about how we should be living. And it wouldn't, it's not overly complicated. Are there parts of the Bible that are overly complicated? Yes, there are. But there are some parts where it's like, oh, okay. Now we just can't make an excuse or use God like a vending machine. We should just do it. So here's the thing I wrote down first that I think was very obvious in those first couple of verses is this, love for Jesus results in obedience, right? What, what did he say? 
he said, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his, if we keep his commands. We know, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Love for Jesus results in obedience. If we say we know him, but we don't do what and then he goes on the very next portion of that scripture that if we decide that we're not going to do what he wants us to do, then we are a, we're a liar. And I wrote this statement down, a, a believer, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, I, I struggled to use the word Christian just to be honest with you. Although in its original context, the, what, the way that the word Christian came about, it was all about being a little Christ, being Christ-like, that our lives were Christ-like. But let's be honest, we've taken that word Christian and we've totally ruined it. The culture has totally ruined what Christian actually means. And so, as a Christian, we have to learn to grow. This is, this is a statement I wrote down. A Christian has to learn to grow out of sin. I didn't say we were sinless. I said we're growing out of sin that as we begin to know who Jesus is and we begin to learn about him, we get in his Bible, we, we study the Bible with others, we come to church, we do all the things that we, we should be doing to help us know about what it means to have a walk with Jesus. It means that we recognize sin and before we step into sin, we're able to say, oh, no, I'm not going there. Amen. Like... And, and I think as the more that we get to know him, there, there's no reason for us to get over here in this and have done something that we shouldn't have and say, well, I didn't know that was going to happen. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. It's our conscience that helps us begin to understand when I'm getting ready to make a really dumb decision, there's something in me that says, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Don't do it. And if you don't have that, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, then it might mean that you're not in relationship with Jesus. Ooh. I didn't say we don't sin, but what we are doing is we're reducing the amount of sin in our life. We're growing out of it. Because love for Jesus results in Obedience. Love for Jesus results in obedience, okay? Comes right from the scripture. First few verses. But if anyone, verse five, but if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. Is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we, this, this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus. So, so then the next part, so how do we know? Then it should be our desire to strive to be like Jesus. Did you wake up this morning saying, oh, Jesus, help me be like you? 
I, I want to be like you. I, like, I, I want to wake up in the morning, and I want that to be the first thing on my mind. Jesus, can you help me be like you today? Because I know there's something in my flesh that wants me to do otherwise. I know that the enemy is after me and wants me to do otherwise. But would you help me today be able to strive to be like Jesus? Because I want to be in you. I want to know you. And as we're allowing God to fill us with himself, that's the only way that Jesus will ever come out. As if we're filling him with those things. The problem is what we're putting in our lives, we're putting more of the opposite things in our life instead of more of the things of God in our life. If the things of Jesus are not coming out, okay, just a litmus test here this morning. Don't crucify me. Talk to John about it. It's the litmus test that if, if you're going throughout your day and the things that you're being challenged with, if the things of Jesus are not coming out, then you've got to step back and say, what are the things that I'm putting in my life that's causing these things to come out? Does the carnal nature, nature come out? Absolutely. Every single one of us probably at some point in our life, you know, get into one of those, get into one of those situations and all of a sudden this dirty word pops up in your head. Oh, don't, don't act like it doesn't happen. I mean, I was playing golf the other day. I was playing golf. You know, I, I hit this really bad shot, and it just went way over there. They call me right side because everything goes right side. And I'm like, gosh, oh. And I got angry over golf. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, Jesus, forgive me, please. But, but I recognize it, right? I re- I'm like, and then like, God's working on me saying, what are you doing? Why are you getting mad at golf? You're not a PGA pro. <laughs> and God's saying, you actually suck very much at it. <laughs> I called you to be a preacher, not an NBA star or PGA professional. <laughs> okay, 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 God, I got it. Thanks, thanks for the reminder. But it's striving to be like Jesus. And that's what he says is that in the original, when they began, when the word Christian began to come out, that was the original tension of what the culture was calling people who were Christ followers was little Christ. And, And I would dare say how many of us, right, wide is the gate and narrow is the road. Many go one direction, but only a few go the other. And my question would be in the culture today, how many people do we actually see as a little Christ? And Jesus probably sitting up there saying, hey man, uh, don't wear my name. Don't claim my name because you don't represent it. I told you, happy Mother's Day. I'm just following the scripture. Uh, It's always one of those challenges, right? Because like, do I want to bring an encouraging message or do I just want to preach through the word? Preach through the word. Thank you very much. Well, I'll make you mothers feel better after the end or something. No, it's really not my responsibility. It's actually your family's responsibility. And, And Mother's Day shouldn't be the only time. Actually, there's 360... Actually, there's 364 other days that when they come to Mother's Day, they should say, you don't have to do anything for me because you've made me feel that way the rest of the year. Same thing with Father's Day, guys. Don't get excited. <laughs> what, what we talked about as a family is creating moments and memories, not materials. That was a side note. Did I make the moms feel okay? Yes. 
Okay, good. All right, let's keep going. It's like, so strive to be like Christ. This, this Christian means little Christ. That, but if we're saying one thing and doing another, you're not being like Jesus. Let me say it again. Did you hear that? You hear that? But here's the problem. It's easy for us to see other people who are doing things, who are not doing the things that they're saying, and it's hard for us to see our own junk when we're saying something and not doing it. It's easy for us to point out other people's problems instead of looking at our own problems. <laughs> because it actually, if you're striving to be, if you're saying, I want to be like Jesus, but you're living a whole nother way, the only thing that you're doing is being a Pharisee. Or a more modern term for it today is hypocrite. Right? And so, make it our desire to try and grow out of our sin, strive to be like Jesus. So that as we wear the banner of Christ, people see him living in us. But you can't do that if you don't know him. The scripture says that we are to abide, it says to know him. It's this whole word abide in him. It means I kind of I get into this place and I just kind of settle in and I let God just, just consume me. But the problem is we make excuses as to why we can't do that. We've used God like a vending machine. When, when we need him, then, then we'll go talk to him. Hey, God, uh, uh, I lost a loved one right now, and I really need a verse. I really need some comfort and some peace right now. Um, I didn't need you last week, but I really need you right now. And so then uh, John goes on. Uh, verse 9. Let's look at verse 9. He goes through this, 7 through 7 and 8 are kind of this, conf, the confusing part where he talks about, hey, it's a new command. It's an old command. No, it's a new command. It's an old command. So, it's an old command that comes from the Old Testament, which is what John was referring to, but it's a new command because what Jesus actually did is Jesus actually lived it out, right? So, he took the old, old covenant, the Old Testament principles, and then God brought Jesus onto the picture, and all of a sudden, all the things that we knew about God from the Old Testament, now they were living right in front of them. The new, the new covenant, the new commandment, as we understand it. And, and it, I mean, see how smart God is? He takes the Old Covenant, he takes the Old Testament, he helps us to understand more about himself, and then he's like, well, they're not smart enough to get it with just the Old Testament. So, I'll wait 500 years, and then I'm going to send my son into the world, and then he's going to live, and he's going to actually show them how to live it through the Gospels, and then I'm going to take a couple other writers and help them begin to understand what it actually looks like. He begins to give it to us in the flesh and in the person of Jesus. And then verse 9. Verse 9 says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Plain and simple. If you hate another Christian, you're not walking in relationship with Jesus. If you hate another brother or sister... You're not walking 
in relation. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what kind of excuses that you make. Well, what? They did this to me. God doesn't say, well, okay, it's okay to hate your brother or sister uh, since you have an excuse. Like, no, he just says, hey, if, you're, if you hate another brother or sister, if there's another Christian in your life that you have an issue with that has created this hatred within you, then you're not walking in the light. I don't care how much you read your Bible. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how many times you go to church. I don't care how many, things you, how many times you serve. I don't care how many times you show up and feed the homeless. You're not walking in the light. Clear and simple, plain and simple. And so the question becomes for us this morning that we have to step back and evaluate ourselves and says, are there people in our life that I have grown to severely dislike to the point of hatred? And if that's the case, then it's time to make it right so that your relationship with Jesus can be right. Wouldn't it just stink to get to heaven and stand before God and him say, hey, man, it would have been awesome to have you here, but you weren't in relationship with me because you hated another one of the ones that I loved. If we hate another brother or, Christian, brother or sister, if you hate another Christian and not walking in relationship, you can do all the right things. You can believe all the right truths. But if you do not love other Christians, then you are not walking in relationship with Jesus. And it didn't say like all the Christians that are in line with you theologically and politically. Like do all, do all their things line up with you? No, all of our things all of our theologies and all of our doctrines and all of our politics and all the things are never going to line up, but we still have to learn to love. Does it mean that we can have disagreements? Yes. But hatred, no. And the problem is a lot of times we're deceived into thinking, well, I, I, I don't hate them. Well then are you just towing the line on hatred? And I think we have to be cautious that the enemy doesn't try and swindle, swindle us into thinking that we're not really hating, but when we really are. And then I love what John begins to do in the last uh, couple of verses of chapter two. He says, I'm writing you, verse 12, I'm writing you, dear children, because your sins have been, thank you, Jesus, right? Your sins have been forgiven on account of of Jesus, on account of his name. I'm writing to you fathers because you, you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you dear children because you know the father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. And so essentially what John is speaking to is this, this kind of line. He's speaking, I believe he's probably speaking to women too, but he's using men because that's just the way they wrote the Bible back 
back then is he's speaking to children, he's speaking to fathers, he's speaking to young men, he's speaking to older men. And essentially what he's saying out of this is that no matter what your age is, that we can grow. No matter what our age is, we can be growing in relationship with Jesus. And that's what he's identifying here. He's saying, hey guys, I see you. I see what you're doing. I see how you're striving, even as children, to grow in your relationship with Jesus. And what he's saying to us is, hey, no matter your age, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you've been in church a long time, or you've only been in church one day or a couple of days, you still have the ability to grow in your relationship with Jesus. And it never stops. It never ends. And so that becomes the challenge for us this morning. Is God, how can we be like your son, Jesus, and live like him every day that he gives us? Because if we're not walking in relationship with Jesus, hear me out, if we're not walking in relationship with Jesus, we're walking in darkness. We're walking in darkness. Wide is the road that leads to destruction but narrow is the road that leads to life. And so this becomes a litmus test for all of us here this morning. Are we walking in relationship? Right? The title of the title of the series, that you may know. It's this, it's this building of this solid foundation. For some of you here this morning, it's like, oh man, Pastor Chris, I got that, man. I'm good. I've been trying to be like Jesus. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And for others to be like, ah, oh, I didn't know that. Now I gotta start working on this and begin growing in this relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. It's a litmus test. Wide is the road that leads to destruction. But narrow is the road that leads to life. we say we know him but we don't obey him we don't actually do what he says we don't we don't learn to take his word and plant it into our lives then we're only being a liar and and it says that the truth is not in us you see, here, here, here's, here's, here's the reality of it. Only you know who you really are. You're the one who looks in the mirror every single day. You're the one who knows if you spend time with the Lord, if you're trying to grow in knowing him so that you can be more like him. Only you know that.
And maybe the question becomes, God, am I walking in relationship with you or am I just being a liar? Are you walking in obedience? Is there, some, is there something with another person that you got to deal with right now? Is there something that God is saying, you've got this hatred for this person and now you need to deal with it? Because of that, you're walking in darkness. And right now, just confessing that to the Lord. God, our prayer is that we will walk in obedience. We strive to be like Christ. That if there's anything between another brother or sister in Christ, that we would make it good right now. And that we would grow in our walk with Jesus. Here's what I want to do. Maybe you want to take a step of obedience this morning and come forward. I want to give you that right now. If you would say, God, I haven't been acting in obedience. And I want to act in obedience right now because I know there's some things you want me to do. I know there's some things that I should be doing that I'm not doing. Um, I want this to be your moment of obedience. I want you to get up. I want you to come forward. The front's a sacred place. It's a sacred space. It's an, it's an altar before the Lord. It's not in, you may think it's in front of a bunch of people, but the only thing you're kneeling in front of is God. Maybe you're here and you've got, a, you've got something between another person that you just need to confess to the Lord right now. I, I want you to get up and I want you to come forward as an act of obedience. Is there anybody? Don't let the enemy let you sit in your chair if you need to act in obedience. Anybody else? I'm only going to wait 30 more seconds. You can hold on and sit in your chair if you want to, but it won't be your best decision. I'm not trying to manipulate you either. I'm going to ask our prayer team if they'll if if you guys will just come and just gather around and put your hands on pray over pray over some of these people. Would you stand with me? 
you stand with me? God, I just thank you for this moment. There's no doubt in my mind that you are in, in this place. And God, I know that for revival to happen, you have to waken our hearts. You have to stir in our hearts and we have to come to a place of confession and repentance. And I pray that we would never be afraid or fearful or deceived into thinking that we shouldn't come to the altar. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for who you are.